Good morning, everyone, and welcome to uh, Sunday service on another beautiful day. My name is Nayaswami Anandi. This is Nayaswami Bharat, and we're both very happy to be here with you. So I'll start by reading from Rays of the One Light. These are weekly commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita written by Swami Kriyananda. This week's reading is called, Can Man See God? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. There is a saying in chapter 1 of the Gospel of St. John that would seem to respond with a definite no to the question, can man see God? The saying is, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Many great saints, however, claim to have seen God. If we ask then, can God be seen, rather than can man see God, the answer is yes, else those saints lied, And the scriptures themselves lied. For Jesus also said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The point is, it is not man, this human body, these human eyes that sees God. God can be seen only with spiritual vision, with the eye of the soul. As the Bhagavad Gita puts it in the 11th chapter, Thou canst not see me with mortal eyes. Therefore, I now give thee sight divine. Behold my supreme power of yoga. With these words, Hari, the exalted Lord of yoga, revealed himself to Arjuna in his infinite form. Paramahansa Yogananda, in Autobiography of a Yogi, describes the supernal experience in words more readily comprehensible to modern minds than the poetic phraseology of the Bhagavad Gita. The chapter, An Experience in Cosmic Consciousness, is one of the most inspiringly beautiful in all mystical literature. Here is a brief excerpt. An an oceanic joy broke upon calm, endless shores of my soul. The spirit of God, I realized, is exhaustless bliss. His body is countless tissues of light. I saw the divine dispersion of rays pour from an eternal source, blazing into galaxies, transfigured with ineffable auras. Again and again, I saw the creative beams condense into constellations, then resolve into sheets of transparent flame. By rhythmic reversion, sextillion worlds passed into diaphanous luster. Fire became firmament. I cognized the center of the Empyrean as a point of intuitive perception in my heart. Irradiating splendor issued from my nucleus to every part 
of the universal structure. The creative voice of God I heard resounding as Om, the vibration of the cosmic motor. This, so the great masters aver, is what God is. And this also, they insist, is what we are in our deepest reality. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om, Om, Good morning. I'd like to begin with a reading from uh, Whispers from Eternity. I found myself suffocating in the dark vapors of worldly ambition as my vessel sailed over life's seas. Fearful of dying in delusion, I sought out and boarded the submarine of deep dedication and dove deep into my inner self. In the silent depths of thy consciousness, I saw, at first shimmering before me, a light which spoke to me of fulfillments never before dreamed of. Diving deeper still, the submarine of my mind moved into astral seas, so rarely plumbed in search of thee. Suddenly probing with searchlight vision, my soul submarine found itself in a new universe. I was surrounded on all sides by a mystic flaming radiance. Overwhelmed by thy supernal blessings, I beheld and reveled in thy presence everywhere." Isn't that an incredible poem? <laughs> There's a, a, a story of an old uh, woodsman, and uh, he knew the forest uh, very well. And this father uh, uh, asked if he would uh, take his boy and himself camping uh, in the wilderness. So they went out in the wilderness, and uh, uh, the old man, he was pointing out all these things that were all the secrets of nature and things that were normally invisible to the eye. And the little boy was just awed by uh, what the man could see. Uh, And finally, uh, he uh, asked uh, the uh, old man, uh, can can you see God? And uh, the old man said, well, I can't look anywhere now, but I see God everywhere. And... uh, and this is really, of course, the, the example of what the, the saints are. You know, uh, we're just, you know, you're so touched when you hear the stories of Swami Kriyananda when he's walking and he, and he says, whenever you meet somebody, smile first. And, and he gives them their bliss. There's a beautiful story of uh, he was in a, a hospital uh, or maybe a rest home and there was an old man that was pretty unconscious 
And uh, Swami came over to him and just gave him so much energy. And I don't know if he complimented him on his shirt or, or just gave him energy. And the man just sort of perked up out of unconsciousness and was alive. And he just had this radiant smile. And, and this is, uh, of course, uh, the vision of, you know, when, when somebody, of course, can see God, uh, they bring out the God and everybody else, because every soul resonates with that uh, from deep within. There's a, a fun story of a little girl, and she was in drawing class, probably drawing classes in every subject in school, uh, but she was drawing a picture of God, and she was just eagerly just drawing away. And the teacher said, no one knows what God looks like. And the little girl who was rather confident, she said, well, they will in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> And I was thinking about Master, um, you know, Master, uh, he, he said, well, uh, about Kriya Yogis, he said, well, they will in a lifetime. <laughs> and, uh, and that's because um, uh, Kriya Yogis, they withdraw the life force from their outer senses uh, very deep into the spine and into the brain. Uh, we have 10 senses. Uh, somebody once told me, uh, Bharat, the only kind of sense you have is common, but... Um, <laughs> I was, somehow I always remembered that, but <laughs> but there are ten, uh, and um, there's the five outer senses of sight, sound, and taste, smell, and um, hearing, and uh, and then there's the the senses that are really the senses of the soul, the the powers that uh, give us outward hearing and outward sight, and uh, and you know we. Uh, as, as Master said, that when we look through our two physical eyes, we see matter. But when we look through the spiritual eye, uh, the single eye here at the spiritual eye, we see God in spirit. And Master said that if we can keep our consciousness here, what we're doing is we're knocking on the gates of heaven. And if we keep looking and are persistent, heaven will open up at that point. And... Uh, you know, we, uh, in our meditation practices, uh, don't we focus on these inner senses? Uh, we, we listen for the inner sounds. We look for the spiritual eye. We bring our consciousness there. Uh, but we, um, they're all different ways. And I, actually, touch is a very interesting one because Swami said that we need to transmute the sense of touch into a consciousness of touching infinity. Isn't that a wonderful concept? And when we, you know, normally with touch, we, we think that our, we end right here at the boundary of our skin. But uh, Swami and Master said, no, no, that's not true. What do we do in meditation? We try to feel space because God, God's body is space. And, and this is why Swami has reminded us is when we're walking outdoors in nature to feel ourselves sailing in the clouds and feel our, ourself in every little movement and uh, every song that we hear because we're trying to just break out and we're trying to, to touch. You know, when you uh, commune deeply with Om, you're really touching the vibration in everything in the universe. And so, there, uh, so we're, we're with every spiritual sense, we're, we're trying to get in touch and trying to see, uh, see God and uh, the spiritual eye in Swami's beautiful visualization, he talks about the spiritual eye as a reflection of the inner spine. It has a golden ring and then a blue field and then a star. And as you go through 
the, the, the golden ring, you feel this wonderful sense of happiness. And it's just this freedom from the physical body. Uh, and then you go through the field of blue. And uh, there's no, this is the causal world, there's no ego. Uh, and uh, our, our vision becomes spherical. And we just spread out into infinity. Uh, and then through the spiritual eye, uh, we just feel um, the absolute uh, uh, consciousness uh, through the center. And so this is, um, uh, this is the spiritual telescope that Swami, uh, or your know, Master, has said. And then, uh, let's say with Om, what are, we, uh, what are we trying to do with Om? If we're listening to the inner sounds and we hear the sounds of the chakra, uh, we're, we're hearing them on an astral level. And then if we hear it perfectly, it's on a causal level. Uh, om is called the unstruck sound. Uh, that means that it's the only sound in the universe that's not hitting another sound. Uh, because every other sound is striking each other and they're uh, colliding and vying with each other, trying to dominate each other. And we're in the world of duality, uh, in the world of pain and suffering and joy, uh, but sort of interchange between these two worlds. Uh, but Om is a pristine vibration and there's just perfect harmony. Uh, when we, and so this is a, another way that we experience God. Uh, and so... Um, the master said that uh, taste can come to us, just a thousand tastes all into one. Uh, but Swami said we should concentrate more on the sight, hearing, uh, and touching. Uh, those are the ways to really uh, perceive God. You know, I was thinking about the, the greatest act of renunciation. Uh, what would that be? Um, I, uh, I have a friend who is a, a, a brother Gilbert in a Trappist monastery, and he had been there 15 years, and he uh, he'd been whipping himself uh, for 15 years dutifully. <laughs> this was back in the 70s and 60s and stuff. And and one day he said, "Why am I doing this?" <laughs> and it just flew out. He just he let it just uh, sail uh, away from him. But what is the greatest act of renunciation? It's not um, what we would think, but it's really keeping our energy in the deep spine. Uh, renunciation isn't a loss, but it's an expansion in infinity. And when our consciousness is centered in the spine, our consciousness becomes as big as infinity and, and expands. And this is why uh, the saints all say that renunciation is a blissful practice, uh, because we get into the bliss of the spine where Master said, you experience boundless joy. And so... Um, uh, this is where we, we start to really perceive God. This is why we want to be in the spine. This is uh, where we can have that, that perception. There are two different models of spiritual growth. Uh, one is the one that we wish it could be. Uh, and then the other one, it reflects more accurately how spiritual growth happens. Uh, the one that we wish it could be uh, is linear, a linear curve. And it goes like this, straight up to God. Well, there's a, a, a curve uh, called an exponential, uh, expo, how do you say that word? Exponential, exponential curve. Uh, and, uh, and it goes like this. Master talked about the path, the spiritual path, as being difficult at first and challenging. And that's this part of the curve, like this. But then it becomes effortlessly liberating. 
And there's a spiritual equation that we're, uh, most of us are familiar with, uh, where we give 25% of our effort, the guru gives 25% of his effort, and God gives 50% of his. And so this part of the curve, exponential curve, it seems like we're the only one working. <laughs> But actually, that's not true. <laughs> we are moving towards God, and we're moving by the inspiration of the avatars. Uh, there's a beautiful story of Swami. Um, uh, he told when he visited a psychic, and uh, when, uh, but to step back from when he had visited the psychic, uh, when uh, Swami was ma- uh, blessed by uh, Master, uh, Master's arm was just shaking like this, just shaking, and just so much energy was going into Swami, and Swami said he didn't feel anything. Uh, and, uh, and then uh, after meeting the psychic, and this was some many, many decades later, uh, the psychic said, there's a spiritual charge in your aura, and it's Yogananda bringing you to freedom. And of course, many, many times, uh, probably every moment of Swami's life, he felt the blessing of Master uh, and guided him, but he just didn't feel at that time. Uh, But that energy, that guidance of Master, that magnetism, was propelling Swami uh, towards uh, freedom in this lifetime. Well, this uh, equation... Is, is going, the curve is going like this. And then uh, we, and actually it's not going straight like this because it's going a little bit up and down, isn't it? Um, and uh, sometimes we feel like we're soaring towards God and then other times uh, we feel like we're retreating from God. Uh, and it's, it's just not in a, uh, not in a straight line. And, the, uh, and I'd like you to uh, close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to inhale, and as you inhale, try to feel a rising current in the spine energetically. Inhale. And as you exhale, feel that descending current. Inhale again, and feeling the current. Exhale. And this is the astral spine. And uh, when, we're, when we can feel that rise and fall of the, uh, of the current, that means that we are still in duality. Uh, and we're going to be experiencing the ups and downs of life. And uh, that part of the curve that goes up like this, the part that we're all waiting for, uh, is uh, the effortlessly liberating part. That's the part where we get into the deep spine, the shashumna. And that's where the energy is unidirectional, and it just flows in a very dynamic way up to the spiritual eye and through the spiritual eye. And so we're, we're, everything that we do on the spiritual path is getting us into the spine, every practice. And Lahiri Mahashai said that doing, doing, someday done. And so um, it, it's just... Uh, we're just working and working, and then someday we'll enter into that. And in many days we have entered into that in our Kriya practice, in our Hong Sa practice. And so it's just a matter of time. We're going, and somebody once said, it's not so much, don't worry about what you're experiencing, worry about your uh, direction that you're flowing in. And we're all flowing into that deep spine. It's just a matter of time. There's a, um, 
uh, a fun story I read. There's a, a, a newsletter all about positive news. And it was about a, a, the Volcanoes National Park in Rwanda. And they have trouble there. They have a lot of mountain gorillas uh, with uh, poachers setting traps for small mammals. And it, uh, sometimes the gorillas can get caught in these traps. And an adult gorilla can usually get out of the trap. It's strong enough. But the young ones uh, don't always make it. And the gorillas, uh, they were observing uh, the staff at the National Park dismantling these traps. And, uh, and uh, the, so the adult gorillas got into the act and they started dismantling them. They were strong enough. Uh, but then after a while, uh, the young gorillas, they started working together and they were dismantling uh, the, uh, the traps too. And, uh, uh, and so very proudly, uh, the, um, the leaders of the, um, of the National Park, uh, they said that uh, uh, in our efforts to dismantle all these traps where uh, we haven't completely succeeded yet, but we're doing really well. And we're happy to announce that the gorillas, too, are giving their effort in dismantling this, uh, <laughs> these traps. And I was just thinking that the gorillas are giving their 25%. <laughs> And, um, and then I thought a little bit more. And uh, just think about how uh, God and Guru think when they see a devotee who has lived for millions of years finally have a light bulb go off <laughs> and starts to work actively to cooperate with divine truth. You know, when you hear that story about the gorilla, everybody goes... Ah, how sweet of the gorillas. What, what do you think of the reaction of the masters and, the, uh, and God is? It's just like they, they, they see the one that's benefiting the most from their effort actively, energetically participating. And of course, that's very, very magnetic, isn't it? And this is, uh, this is our, our 25% brings the other 75% uh, into play in a very dynamic way. Because God's uh, is uh, magnetism is so great and overwhelming that it overly influences us. And he doesn't want to dominate us. He wants us to choose ourselves, uh, whether we want him or not. And so he holds back and lets it, uh, let it come from ourselves. And so that effort that we make is so, so important because that brings the grace uh, uh, into our effort. And as Swami said, that it's, it's not by our power that we climb. I mean, we've been going along for a long time on this part of the curve. Then all of a sudden, that curve just goes up. And that is the grace of the guru, the grace of God. I'd like to read uh, something that Swami wrote. It's so beautiful. The real power comes from getting into the current. A divine flow will take us farther, far faster than we can ever move on our own. Then as you begin to deepen your consciousness of God, you go further out and the current gets stronger. And finally, you have the courage, the experience, and the faith to surrender yourself to that current. It takes a lot of courage to say, if I drowned in God's love, more power to me. I am not afraid of losing everything in my search for God. The more you surrender yourself to the divine, the more you will advance, but not by your own power. 
You don't need to be afraid of the work and the struggle involved. You will find that it becomes less work and less struggle the farther you go, and you will enjoy it more and more. Bit by bit, you will begin to see that, of course I am not worldly. Of course I haven't an ego. Of course I'm a saint. Of course I'm a part of this divine flow. It will absolutely be natural to you. Before I moved to Ananda, I was uh, thinking on joining a Zen monastery, and we were having a week-long shashin, which is an intensive meditation uh, retreat. And there was a part of this retreat where, while people were doing their uh, service projects, uh, the roshi, the, the abbot of the monastery, uh, would appear. And the idea behind the ceremony is that she would just come out, and she would just start walking in a meditative manner, and just living the teachings, just herself as she walked. And the idea was to get in line behind, showing that you wanted to follow wholeheartedly the spiritual teachings. And so uh, it was really fun, because all day long as we were uh, working, we were looking for the teacher. And uh, when is she going to come? And we weren't just looking, we were feeling inside ourselves, uh, the presence of the teacher. And, and so our mind was just constantly on, uh, on the spiritual teacher. Uh, and then um, the teacher finally came and people got in the, in the line. And I just was thinking about this, such a beautiful image, because as Master, uh, he said that I am inside each of you. Every night I go into your souls. And of course, every day he does too, but we're a little bit more quiet at night. And I'm sure we can feel his influence more uh, while we're sleeping. And so let's all of us uh, just, uh, you know, more and more, you know, go within, feel the guru inside of ourselves and to follow him and to really allow us to fulfill his mission and our mission of our soul. And that's to merge into infinity. God bless you all.